welcome to the Successful Collective podcast with me, Jules Duncan. And myself, Marisa Devlin, talking all things women in business. If you want to find out more, then hit the subscribe button or reach out to us on the Successful Collective on Instagram. Marisa, as always, I'm going to start and ask you what you're grateful for today. Morning, Jules. Thanks for that. So it's slightly controversial this week because it seems like the world is on strike at the moment. But I always think out of every adversity, there's an opportunity. So for the last two weeks, I've been able to meet my friend Denise because she's been out on strike. So we've been for lunch, we've been for walks, we were out for lunch yesterday. So I'm very, very grateful for that. What about you this week, Jules? I am grateful for the flexibility that being self-employed provides. Now, as most self-employed people will probably agree, you do way more hours and you probably work much more than in previous lives being employed but because you can essentially other than client meetings and things make your own schedule I am very grateful for the flexibility afforded to me by being self-employed a nice wee day yesterday where I didn't have much on work-wise that I had to be at so I phoned our gown, who are my absolute favourite place in Greenock for a massage. I phoned our gown in the morning and the ladies were amazing and squeezed me in at lunchtime. So I went and enjoyed an absolutely phenomenal massage at our gown yesterday. Oh, bless. What a great day. I know. It's great. So, yes, very good day today. Good day yesterday. And it actually gave me a lot of creative time to think about our topic for today, which is why you should not fear your competition. And we're going to start off, you know, it's like the dictionary corner here. If it's not dictionary, it's <laughs> that we're seeking out. So this is, this is your teacher days coming out. No, back, back to the board, back to the board. So, <laughs> yes. So the dictionary meaning of competitor. And actually, it's funny because there will be lots of people in business who won't even like to use the word. They won't even like to mention it. So we're going to mention it loads today. And it, the Dictionary meaning is an organisation or country engaged in a commercial or economic competition with others. Now, specifically about businesses, it's about businesses that offer similar or identical products or services in the same market. And I think that's really important mm-hmm. think about the same market. And they could also be buying for the same customer base. So if you think about Pepsi and Coca-Cola, Huge competitors vying for exactly the same customer base, the same demographic. So thinking about that. And that's what we are going to be chatting about today. And I have to say it would be very brave of me to say that I have never feared competition because I think if we're all being really, really honest, if you think about competitors, it's only through experience that you learn that actually competition is good. And I think when anything to do with competitors comes up, everybody internally takes that sharp intake of breath. I think if we're really, really honest about that. But when you learn through experience and also when you are very secure in your own business operation, and I'm not saying that you should ever be fully secure in your business because you should always be seeking to improve, 
But actually, through all of that, you you learn that competition is a good thing, and that's something that we we're going to talk about today. Do you know what I think? I think you kind of hit on it there a wee bit that the fear of competitors or competition can be quite linked to imposter syndrome because when somebody, say you're in whatever specific market and somebody new enters the market, a lot of people think, someone else is doing the same thing I'm doing. And initially their first reaction is, well, they'll be better at it. And that's that imposter syndrome voice telling you that, oh, no, you're not good enough. Whereas, like you say, it's experience that helps you not fear the competitor in the same way that with imposter syndrome, if you take action. So, yeah, somebody else is in your market doing the same thing as you, technically, because we'll come on to why they're not really doing the same thing as you, but someone else is doing the same thing, but you continue on doing it and actually it's fine or your business gets a wee bit better. So again, like imposter syndrome, taking action and building evidence for yourself that this isn't something to worry about is very important. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you said something there about our competitors really doing the same thing as you. So first of all, what we need to understand is what are competitors. So there's different types of competitors. So we've got direct competitors who would be providing same or similar products and services and could be targeting the same customers. You've then got indirect competitors who might be selling the same products and services, but it's not their primary revenue. So let's imagine, for example, that you own a lemonade stand and all of a sudden someone opens a stand right next to you and it's not their primary source of revenue to sell lemonade they're selling sun cream scotland so let's say they're selling umbrellas but they also sell lemonade so they would be an indirect competitor and then there's the replacement competitor very important one that lots of people forget about so they might well be selling a different or similar product but they're filling a gap in the market and they're also solving a problem that we always talk about solving problems in business for customers, but they are solving a problem that you're not. So one of the biggest examples of that, that's where Blockbusters, does anybody remember Blockbuster? Videos? I used to work in Blockbuster. Oh, here's yeah, her, she's always get jobs. She's, as people get to know you, they'll get to realise that you've had 20 million jobs. Yeah, and it's not, it wouldn't be a surprise like that obviously I've worked in Blockbuster. I also used to work in The Cove before it was your before it was your oh, I mean, seriously. If you own a business, I've more, more than likely worked in it. <laughs> so Blockbuster's biggest feeling was they didn't see Netflix as a competitor. And actually, Netflix were both a direct and an indirect, sorry, a direct and a replacement competitor to Blockbuster's. And the reason being is that when Netflix... We probably don't actually know this, and most people won't know this, but when Netflix first started, they were actually offering rental videos through the post. So immediately what happened there is Netflix customers versus Blockbuster customers didn't need to worry about late return fees for your videos. Mm. So that's where Blockbusters completely missed the boat. And you would you would think they were different types of businesses. Yeah, that's quite 
quite interesting. And it is, a lot of people wouldn't think, they just think of someone providing exactly the same service as them as a competitor, but it could be someone offering a newer version of your service, an alternative to your service, something like your service. So it's not always just somebody providing exactly the same service or product as you. So let's talk straight away then about, okay, you've got your business, you've been set up for couple of months, couple of years, whatever the case may be, and in inverted commas, a big competitor comes along. How do you feel? What do you do? I think everybody's initial reaction is, especially if you are a new business and someone who, in inverted commas, bigger, comes along, the initial reaction is going to be out of fear. Like that's, and I think that's, that's natural. But it's how... How you react to that is what makes the difference. So do you see this as actually, and this is very much the way I see competition, is we're making the market bigger because I know a lot of people think the market and a lot of people, no matter what industry you're in, are going to think this market is saturated and there's not room for someone else in it. This is untrue, absolutely untrue. For example, go to Tesco's and walk down the, I don't know, the soft drinks aisle, walk down. So even, even think about walking down the soft drinks aisle, right? I generally drink diet lemonade. There's, every company's got a diet lemonade. Like there's a Tesco one. There, in fact, there's probably three or four different types of Tesco ones. There's a Schweppes one. There's everybody makes one. And do you know what? People like the one they like. So think about the bread aisle. I mean, how many how many types of white bread or how many types of wholemeal bread are there on the bread aisle? Tons. And you go for the one that you like. So with a lot of markets, people think they're saturated. And I think social media makes people think it's saturated. So for example, obviously you're in the interior design industry. Now I'm sure when you open Instagram, all your scenes interior design accounts and lots of other interior designers and people connected with interior design. So from your perspective, you look at Instagram and you think, oh, the market is saturated with interior designers. I don't work in that industry or have anything to do with that industry. So when I open Instagram, literally the only interior designer I see, and from my perspective, the only interior designer in the world, well, there's two, there's you, and there's Lauren Sloyle and Bowen. He has an interior designer, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, right. So there's so basically there you go. That's that's your only competition as far as the way I see it. And I think what happens is whatever industry you are in, you will follow a lot of people in that industry. You will see a lot of things because of certain hashtags that you look at, certain accounts you look at, and it will feel to you like your industry is saturated. So for example, I mean the fitness industry, a lot of people think that the fitness industry is saturated because the growth in like personal trainers and fitness and gyms and everything in the last 10, 15 years has been massive. Fitness industry is nowhere near saturated. Like there is, so, there is so many people in the UK that have zero connection with the fitness industry. We're not a saturated market at all. But when I look at Instagram, that's all I see is fitness things. So that's why people think, oh, every time I pick up my phone, that's all it is, is another account of that. But that's because of what you follow. Like for example, Bernie, when he opens Instagram, I'm sure he sees a lot about golf. 
because that's one of his interests. I never see a single thing about golf. So don't let the Instagram algorithm and the fact that you're involved in that industry let you think that, that it's, a, it's a saturated market because it's it's not true. And I can't think of many industries that are fully saturated. No, you're absolutely right. And obviously I can't move past the fact that I didn't know that you went to Tesco's for diet lemonade. <laughs> I haven't heard anything you've said for thinking about the fact that she goes into Tesco's for her diet lemonade. No, I don't go to Tesco's for it. I get, I get, see, there there you go. I go to Aldi for my diet lemonade because I personally like Aldi's. There you go. There you I'll, go. I'll look at all of those options over there at Tesco's. So I can't get the diet lemonade. I can't get past. So if Aldi thought... Oh no, Tesco's have launched a new diet lemonade. We best just give up selling lemonade. I'd be devastated because I prefer Aldi's. So don't think because somebody else is doing, is making even a replica of your product. Because I've seen this a lot. People trying to replicate others' services, trying to replicate other people's business models. And it never turns out exactly the same. And you know what? People like what they like. Absolutely. And so let's go back to... If you really and truly know your business, and I think this is something that, you know, we've there's been a thread through all of the podcasts about really gaining an understanding of your own business. So if you did um, business studies at school, even you're probably bored by this topic, but SWOT analysis is absolutely crucial within your business. And it's really old hat, but it's still so relevant. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that, SWOT analysis of your own business, which means strengths. So looking at your strengths, maximizing, and how many businesses out there recognize, take time to recognize your own strengths. Weaknesses, you need to know what they are and you need to address them. Opportunities, you have to explore them and take advantage of them, especially when you're considering your competitor. And threats, what are the threats to your business? And a lot of that can be down to processes maybe not um competitors but in actual fact competition is really really healthy what it does for your business is it really allows you to focus on what it is that you deliver and what it is that you do differently it allows you to focus on your quality and also be innovative because quite often we become very stagnant and we become very stale in our approach. And it's only when someone decides that they're opening up in the next street that you start internalising and really reviewing your business model. So actually competition gives you motivation as uh-huh. well. Mm-hmm. And it makes you work that little bit harder because competition will always be there. And from a customer perspective, competition in the market allows you as a provider or a business to increase your value to your customer and your quality. So hugely, hugely important to have competition. And in actual fact, there's a lot of research out there to say that, let's use the coffee shop example. So in 2019, Starbucks closed 150 of their shops in America. I mean, if you and I think about that, we would be literally on our knees thinking what on earth has gone wrong here. But what they did was, They'd basically had this strategy for quite a while where they densely populated areas with their own brand. So, for example, there would be an area with more than one Starbucks. And in actual fact, you know, that doesn't even make any sense. Mm-hmm. But that's what they did. So that was many of the stores that they then decided to, to close. So the actual brand and the actual business was okay, but it was the business model that needed fine-tuning. 
So they, right. had to, they had to look back inwards to say, okay, what is it that we've done wrong here? So they had struggled for quite a period of time on innovation where they hadn't launched any particularly wow factor new products. So it wasn't that the brand Starbucks had an issue or the company had an issue. They had to review, reevaluate, and look at what they were doing again. And for smaller businesses, so if you look at the Cove now, I'm not saying that I would want a Starbucks to open in Battery Park, for example. <laughs> but there's actually lots of research to say that when other like businesses open, it actually increases your customer base. And it's because people are interested, so therefore they go out and about and they have a look and they check it out. But if you have a loyal customer base, you shouldn't fear that competition. And also, I think the more... So let's take Pilates as an example. So there's so many people still do not know what Pilates is. But say three other people start teaching Pilates near me, then many more people are going to find out what Pilates is and how fabulous it is. And then actually the market and the number of people interested in Pilates grows. Actually, your market gets bigger because people feel as if, oh, I'm sharing my message and I'm telling people about Pilates and I've never done shouting about Pilates, which technically I am actually never done shouting about Pilates. (laughs) But... There's plenty of people that don't ever see any of my content because just that's the way social media works. So if three other Pilates instructors come into the mix and they all start shouting about Pilates, more people find out about it. And then there's so many more people in your market, the market grows. So there's so many benefits to other people bringing in a similar service. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the more companies within your industry, the bigger the market is. So hugely important and something that you and I, something that I would say that we are very, very good at. And I I learned this a long, long time ago. I think I've mentioned previously that in childcare, it used to be a very, very closed door industry because people were so afraid of competition. And then I guess from an industry perspective, the whole childcare market increased so much because more people were going back to work that you then realised that the better way to approach this is actually to build good relationships with your competitors and that's something that I've really focused on I know it's something that you do all of the time you know within your industry mm-hmm. but people have to step out of the comfort zone again of saying okay a lot of people don't like networking and it's not necessarily networking it's so easy to do it on the back end of social media now um I've just in the last couple of weeks, um, there's a coffee shop that I know that's not a direct competitor of mine, but I liaise with the owner of that coffee shop a lot. And there are huge business benefits to that. So again, it's about building up relationships with your competitors. And then what you've got there is you've got a network. Because again, thinking about they're going through the same challenges as you. One, you can share ideas as well. And also, if I use our Glen Eagles model, somebody that we know um, in the same area as us, the same block of apartments, owns nine apartments. So uh, absolutely he has the share of the holiday rental market. But what we do is we keep in touch on a regular basis and quite often he phones me or I phone him to say, listen, I've got a guest that's looking for accommodation. We don't have any space. So you're actually sharing the business and the business share. So 
lots of reasons to have complementary partnerships with your competitors as well. Yeah, and that that's the thing. And there's probably very few industries that whatever it is you do, you do absolutely all of it to an exceptional standard. So of all the services I provide, for example, if so I don't know, somebody wanted to compete in a bodybuilding competition, I'm absolutely not the trainer to help them with that. I would refer them on to someone else. And likewise, I've had referrals from other trainers and it's just everyone's got a different skill set and everyone's got a different specialism and expert knowledge on something specific. And if you build those relationships within your industry with the people you originally feared as competitors, you will get referrals from them. They'll get, you'll send referrals to them. And it just, again, grows that network, grows the industry. And if someone comes to me, I'm like, well, do you know what? I'm actually not the person to help you, but here, here's this person who will help you. And I always think, you know, you we talked in a previous podcast about doing competitive analysis when you were talking about marketing and pricing and things. But actually what I always think is, see if you focus on yourself and your own business, you just let your competitors take care of themselves. I think it's really, really important not to get bogged down with yep. oh, what are they doing? You know, how many days are they opening? Comes back to something that we, again, always talk about is, if you really know your customer, that's what you should be focusing on. And if you think about today, human beings crave interaction with other people. So if you are face-to-face with your clients or your customers, retail can be really, really cold. You t- you and I talk about poor customer service a lot. Uh-huh. But if you spend your energy focusing more on your customer, knowing their names, knowing their preferences, where do they go on holiday, what are their hobbies, what can you talk about the next time they come in? Actually, your business will take care of itself and you don't need to worry about your competitor. So this is a very interesting thing of, because people worry about competitors and that a competitor will come into the market and either copy them or replicate their service and steal their ideas. We hear this a lot, but one really important thing, and we actually shared this last week, I think it was on Instagram, people can replicate what you do, but they cannot replicate how you do it. And we say this a lot, and it is so, so important in business, but people buy people. Even in a service-based industry, a product-based industry, people buy people. And there will be things, for example, say you've bought prints or something on Instagram. There's probably hundreds of people on Instagram that would manufacture the prints in the same way. So when you put them up on the wall, they'll look exactly the same. So why do you still go back to that same person that you bought them from? Because you got really great service from them. They were chatty with you. Their service was good. Their service was quick. Lots of other things that are completely separate from actually printing the prints. So the end product all can look very similar, but how they deliver that product to you and the service you get from them makes everybody unique. And I think people need to focus on that. It's not just about what you do. It's about how you do it. And about building the connection, isn't it? That's it. And I would also say as well, you know, you can go down the route of loyalty programs. There's loads and loads of wonderful ideas. But, you know, think about the basic things. So quality over quantity. Are you offering 20 services when in actual fact, 
if you only had seven available to your customers or your clients that were consistently of high quality, is that not better? And all of these things with competition, in my opinion, is also about your reputation. And your reputation is built on all of the things that we you've talked about there, especially about people buying people. And if you, I always think as well, if you own a premises, no matter what it is that you're selling, what is the first impression when somebody walks through your door? So how do people feel when they visit your shop, when they visit your website, when they visit your social media? How do people feel? How does it make them feel? And I think that always sets you above your competitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it is. It's about, it's about how you interact with the customer and how you make the customer feel. What is the customer journey like? And that's going to be different for everyone. So you could very much provide the same service, you can very much provide the same product, but what makes you unique is your journey. Absolutely. Now, I think we're going to finish off by talking about the saturation of the market, and you've already touched upon it. So just some figures out there. So there's 67 million people in the UK. There's 46,000 hair and beauty salons. It's quite unbelievable when you think about it. There's 65 million people in the UK. 67 million. And how many beauty salons? You're going to calculate it and I've already got it here. <laughs> See, we're, we're so in sync. You already did that I was about to do. Exactly. So if you decide tomorrow, well, please have some more thought than just deciding for tomorrow that you're going to open a hair or a beauty salon and you think, oh, there's not enough customers. As it stands just now, there's 1,456 customers available wow. for you. So, you know, the market's not saturated. Personal training, 2023, the figures are sitting at just under 24,000 personal trainers. So that means that if everybody in the UK was looking for a personal trainer, there would be 2,791 clients available, people. So basically what we're saying is, don't worry about your competitors. There's plenty of room for us all in the market as long as you are building the connections, remembering that people buy people. What are you doing that's unique and how are you making people feel? Yeah, I think that's that's a big one for, regardless of what your industry is, how do you make your customers feel? And it goes back to that, what we said about, when we were talking about brand, and Jeff Bezos said, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So that would actually be really interesting. So we would actually love to hear how you aim to make your customers feel. So what three words would be the way that you make your customers feel? So reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram at The Successful Collective.